Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Why debt can be your enemy. Beverly Harzog. That debt just balloons. I mean, it's like the blob. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Compound interest is evil. It truly <laughs> Well, is. when it's working against you, when it's working for you, it's great. <laughs> right. When it's credit card debt, it's evil. <laughs> right. Uh, and the average household with credit card debt pays about $1,300 a year in interest. I mean, think about that. That's, that's a huge amount. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Jim, we like our peeps, and without a doubt, Beverly Harzog is one. She was one of our first guests on How Do We Fix It nearly two years ago. Things have changed since then. Credit card debt is piling up. Americans have more than $1 trillion in credit card debt, and interest rates are also rising. Not a good combination. But this is How Do We Fix It, and Beverly is here with some fixes. She's an expert on debt, and especially credit card debt. A consumer advocate, she's the author of The Debt Escape Plan and Confessions of a Credit Junkie. Welcome to our table again. Thank you for having me. So credit card debt is at its highest level since 2008, and interest rates are going up. So so what's the problem there? Okay, Richard, the problem with that is that people are also carrying balances from month to month. And that's bad enough in itself, but interest rates are going to be going up and they're going to be paying even more in interest expense. According to your research, more than a third of adults are carrying month-to-month credit card debt. Now, just to explain, Mm -hmm. that month-to-month means you're not paying off your credit card bill in full each month. You're carrying a balance from one month to the next, right? Yes, that's correct. What you have to do is pay your bill in full by the due date every month. That's the way to use credit cards to your advantage and the best way to have a great credit score, which helps you in many other areas of your life. So we know that rates are high when you carry a balance, but if you, if you were to carry a balance over the course of a full year, you know, just pay off the minimum and end the year maybe with as much on your card as you started it, what are some typical rates for people who do that? Well, it depends on what your credit is, mm-hmm. okay? Those who have poor credit might be paying 25 to 30%. Uh, those who have excellent credit might be paying somewhere between 12 and 15%. I believe the average is 18%. And, and you have good credit if you have a record of paying off debt on time. Yeah. Uh, well, that's always, that always helps. It, but yes, if you pay it off on time uh, and if you pay it off in full and on time, 
that's that's really the sweet spot. <laughs> so I was really struck to see in the research that the average person has nearly $10,000 in credit card debt. I mean, that strikes me as a really, really high number. And so we've got this growing amount of consumer debt. Does this big balloon of consumer debt pose a threat to the economy way that huge overhang of mortgage debt did leading to the 2008 financial crisis? Jim, I think it could eventually. Uh, the, the bigger problem, you know, in the short term are consumers just surviving, making ends meet. So what we have here is um, people not being able to meet their monthly expenses. They don't have the income. So they start using their credit cards to borrow money, which is probably the worst thing you could possibly do. Uh, but that's, that's where this debt is coming from. And this, this bugs me, actually, because you look, for instance, at the average mortgage rate now, and it's really low. It's like 4% or 3.5% you can get. But many people are paying 25% for a credit card. And I'm not sure that a lot of people know that they're really being ripped off when they use a credit card to borrow money. I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, the level of financial literacy really needs to go up in this country. Um, and that's one thing that I, I try to address with my books. Uh, but a lot of people have not read the fine print, okay? They don't understand what their interest rate is. Uh, maybe they don't open all the emails and uh, snail mail things they get. They get notified that their interest rates are going up. Uh, so they need to be aware and be very proactive about that. But some of this also is not necessarily buried in the fine print. I mean, you know, you have most people know that if you don't pay off your balance, you're paying some kind of hefty rate. Do you think maybe there's also maybe just a human tendency towards optimism? You know, that, okay, I won't pay it off this month, but next month, you know, I won't go out to dinner and I'll have the extra money and I'll pay it all off next month. I'm just going to try to let it slide for one month or two months. And then pretty soon the whole year has gone by. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how it frequently happens. And it slips up on people because they don't really understand the impact of compound interest and compound interest is evil. It truly (laughs) is. Well, when it's working against you, when it's working for you, it's great. (laughs) Right. When it's credit card debt, it's evil. (laughs) Right. Uh, And the average household with credit card debt pays about $1,300 a year in interest. I mean, think about that. That's that's a huge amount. That's like nothing money. money. That's just $1,300 for nothing. Right. It's just wasted money. Yeah. Jim said something I'm not sure I agree with, which is that most people know that you're carrying a balance month to month. I think that a lot of young people don't know that. And I don't think a lot of people fully realize the cost of not paying off the balance in full so that you start the new month on your credit card with zero. You know, that is definitely a problem. Um, And, you know, also, there are a lot of people who think that to build a credit score, you have to carry a balance. This is a myth that I try to fight every week. (laughs) Uh, I get questions about this from consumers all the time. You do not have to carry balance to build a good credit score. But that debt just balloons. I mean, it's like the blob. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can just pay the minimum payment, but there will come a time when you can't afford the minimum payment if you keep going down that route. Do you think that in some subtle, maybe not so subtle ways, credit card companies, whether subtly or not so subtly, kind of encourage you to see that minimum balance as the standard official payment as opposed to 
the worst case payment and this mm-hmm. other box. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. The full balance is really what you should be aiming for. Yeah, I agree. There, there's a little bit of that. Uh, thanks to the Credit Card Act of 2009, there is a lot more transparency. And these statements are much easier to read today than they've been in probably ever. So, you know, that was a good step forward uh, for consumer protections. But credit card companies uh, don't mind if you carry a balance. (laughs) They welcome that. Uh, As long as you're paying on time, uh, you know, that's a win-win for them. So don't let them win. We're speaking with Beverly Harzog about credit card debt. It's how do we fix it? I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Rich. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Davies. As we are recording this, the graduation class of 2017 is making its way out into the world. What would you say to, to college seniors or anybody who's, who's entering the workforce for the first time? You know, one thing I want them to know is that your credit score is important. There's a lot of propaganda out there about how you don't even need a credit score. Well, you do. And it's not just it's something that's going to get you into debt. Uh, you need a great credit score so that when you go to apply for a mortgage, you'll get a top rate that will save you a huge amount of money. And what a lot of folks don't know is that your insurance rates will even be better. Your health insurance, your auto insurance, life insurance. And, and, and auto loans. Too. Auto loans, definitely. And, um, you know, you can't even rent an apartment without a good credit score. You'll need to get your parents to co-sign with you. I was shocked by that when somebody in my family was running an apartment, mm-hmm. how uh, how much they look at this. And in those other fields, it seems maybe, do you think they're using the credit score as kind of a marker of just your all-around competence to be an adult? <laughs> you know, I mean, just to take care of yourself. Credit score maybe is a pretty good indicator of how well you're handling all those other tasks as well. You know, I think that that's true. Um, but I also want to point out that there are some folks folks who have bad credit scores, and it's been a little bit beyond their control. For instance, if they suffered a job loss, uh, perhaps they went through a divorce or a really big one right now or medical crisis because uh, you know people go into bankruptcy all the time. That's the number one cause of bankruptcy in this is, country. Is medical debt. Medical debt, yes. Um, so I would say, yes, credit scores are an indication of your overall responsibility 
but there are also exceptions. Yeah, I'm not when, saying it's a fair measure. Oh, you know, it's not. But it, may be a, but it, but it might be it's a, not a fair measure. But it might be a fairly predict a, a, a reasonably predictive measure. It's one of the tools they use to try to predict your risk level. So that's just one tool they use. And if you've got a bad credit score and you're applying for credit, you might want to let them know why your score is a little bit low. Oh, so you can actually talk to them. Oh, sure. How do you talk to a credit card company or a bank? Once you target the credit card that you think that you could possibly qualify for, call the credit card issuer, all right, and uh, speak with customer service and let them know what kind of situation you're dealing with. Um, if you get some pushback, like, we don't do that, you know, uh, they do do this, all right? So just keep asking. Ask to speak to a supervisor or a manager and explain the problem to them so you haven't applied for the card yet, but you wanted to go ahead and let them know some of the problems that you've had, you know, like unemployment or something like that, some legitimate reason. And, and even employers sometimes check on your credit score. Graduates now have to worry about their employers checking their credit history. Uh, they're not checking credit scores, but they are checking their credit history. They're looking at credit reports. So one thing is, is the credit score is really important. What else would you, would you say? I would say make it a habit uh, to have a budget in place and track your spending. This is really where it all starts. All right, you need to track your spending. And when you do qualify for a credit card, uh, decide, you know, in your budget, how much you're going to put on that credit card and like, track your spending so you don't go over that budgeted amount. And your budgeted amount should not be higher than what you can pay off that month. Now, you have some personal experience in not doing any of those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, the last time we talked, you told this story that I thought was just really fascinating. It just shows how easy it is for even very disciplined, smart people to fall into these traps. Um, tell us about your experience with letting credit card debt just get kind of wildly out of control. Yeah, funny you should bring that up, Jim. <laughs> well, you I, did write a book I about do, it. I did. Oh, I'm very open about this. Yes, when I was in my 20s, right after I got out of college, uh, I started getting lots of credit card offers in the mail. And I thought, well, this is fun, free money. <laughs> and I applied for all of these credit cards, ran up the balances. Uh, I maxed out the credit cards, actually. Uh, at some point, uh, due to uh, compound interest, I could no longer even pay my monthly payments. Uh, I started losing my credit cards. I was cut off from my favorite credit card, which was a department card. And uh, that was kind of rock bottom. I was trying to buy some Ralph Lauren jeans and they said, your card's been denied. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Do you think that some of this is about status? I mean, you said your favorite credit card was a department store card, probably at, a, at an upscale department store. And also that you were trying to buy some Ralph Lauren jeans. Do you think some of all of this is related to that sense of, well, you know, if I'm walking around in Ralph Lauren jeans and I got this credit card that says Neiman Marcus or something, that I've made it. Oh, yes, yes. There's a lot of that in this. Um, you know, when I was in my 20s, and, you know, this was a little while back, um, I was working in an environment that was mostly men. I was the CPA for an oil company. And so I decided that I needed to wear power clothes, uh, you know, unfortunately, I took that to greater heights, power lunches, power cocktails, power makeup, you know, power vacations. And looking back, I just didn't have enough self-esteem and confidence at the time. And I was boosting myself, you know, with all of, all of these uh, material possessions, which only made me feel good, really, for one day. And guys, I mean, I'm sorry, I know you were editor-in-chief of Popular Mechanics, but, but guys like power cars. 
and I'm sure. not necessarily I mean, responsible actually, either. It's really interesting <laughs> um, the degree to which people spend more than they need to and go into more debt or carry more debt. I mean, in fact, leasing a car is a way is is a form of of, um, of borrowing. Yes, yeah. and if that's something that makes them so happy, but you have to do it knowingly and say, okay, I'm going to be spending for the right. You have you to know, be able to afford I'm it. Be, I, it's a luxury. Yeah. I'm going to be spending way more on driving a really cool car, and that means you know we can't have a swimming pool or or sure. you know yeah. or my kids can't go to college or you know or some <laughs> other you know you make some other right. sacrifice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I am not uh, a finance expert who thinks you should give up everything you love, okay? If you want your latte, keep your latte. I'm all for that. But if you're going to have you know, a, a certain expense you enjoy, uh, you need to find that money somewhere else. Cut it out somewhere else in your budget. During this show, you've mentioned several times this, this concept of compounding or compound interest. Could you explain what that is? So let's say you have a $1,000 credit card balance. Okay, right. you're going to pay interest on that. Now, the next month, it's going to be higher. Uh, let's say for the sake of this uh, example, let's say it's like $1,100. Okay, uh, now you're going to pay interest on $1,100. And this is going to keep going and going and going. And you're going to make minimum payments, which are going to be increasing as your balance increases. So, so and to be clear about this, the, the, the minimum the minimum payment is paying off just the interest. But with compound interest, the principal, which is the amount you owe, continues to go up. Exactly. Is there a difference between good debt and bad debt? Yes, there is. Um, you know, for instance, I think that student loan, for the most part, is good debt. Uh, I think I draw the line, though, if, you know, let's say you're getting. Uh, a liberal arts degree and you're in debt for a hundred thousand dollars i mean that's a little over you know what what is acceptable in my opinion uh my rule of thumb is that your student loan should not be higher than your predicted first year of income in your new career uh so that's a guideline that's a good rule of thumb yeah but yes for the the new graduate think about that how much you think you can make that first year because it takes a long time to build a business so, so, so you're an expert on this. How do we? Sh- how do you shop around for the best credit card deals? Where do you start? I mean, some people, for instance, want travel rewards. Other people want really low interest. You know, the first thing you need to do is decide what type of card you need. Okay, because if you're just starting out, you're not going to qualify for. Uh, you know, the really elite travel card. So you need to have an idea of what your credit score range is and your, you know, your level of credit history. Uh, but for those who have a good score and who are looking for rewards cards or cashback cards, um, you know, the best thing to do is to get on Google and ask for travel rewards cards or maybe uh, grocery cashback cards and see what comes up. And uh, also check the credit boards. There's lots of information there about different credit cards and feedback. Um, I review secured credit cards, and there's a lot of feedback on my site for that. Secured credit cards are? Secured credit cards are great. They're a way to start, right? They're a way to establish or rebuild your credit. It's great for both of those markets. And there were great cards in that category, but they're also predators. 
So, you know, that's one thing that I that I keep an eye on uh, on my blog. I, I review those cards. So there are different uh, requirements for each credit card. What does it mean that they're, that they're secured? Oh, the, they're secured because you have to put down a deposit. So let's say you put down a $500 deposit. It goes into the bank, you know, with that credit card issuer. And you re- receive a credit card. It does not say secured on it. There's no stigma attached to this. Looks like any other credit card. You really are using credit. And your credit limit is usually the deposit amount. Some issuers will give you a little bit higher than that. That's called a hybrid secured card. So, uh, Beverly, you mentioned that you work as a writer. And we've done a number of shows at How Do We Fix It about this evolution towards the so-called gig economy. So many people patching together an income from a variety of sources, working for themselves, independent contractors. Any advice for independent contractors on how to handle credit cards for their business expenses? That's a, a great question, Jim. Uh, you know, you need to keep terrific records about your income. And when you're self-employed, your income is going to go up and down. So you need to notice trends so that you can budget properly. One of the things I love about you is you come with real credibility because you started early in your life uh, really struggling with credit and uh, denied a credit card and you learned all about it. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, if listeners want to hear your story about confessions of a credit junkie, uh, go back to one of our very earliest episodes. There's a link on that on our website and uh, hear more from Beverly. Beverly Harzog, thanks. Thank you for having me. So one of the things we didn't talk about much is, is student debt, and, but we mentioned it on why maybe a liberal arts student shouldn't take out a big loan. And I have a personal story of this. My son, we were discussing a, a postgraduate degree at a, at a college for him, and he's an artist, and he did something really smart. Um, it, it turned out that in order to do this course, he'd have to borrow $100,000 to do the the two-year course, um, which is a tremendously huge amount of money. But the cost of college education in many fields has been soaring much faster than inflation for years. And instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to have to pay X number of dollars per month on that loan, he said, Dad, I'm going to have to come straight out of college and have a $50,000 a year job to service that loan. And I just thought that was really smart because then he went, well, you know, after after two years at art school, I'm not going to come out and get a $50,000 a year job unless it's in a field I don't really want to do. And, right. and, and that's a great way to think about debt. I think that often one of the barriers to knowledge about money is not thinking about it in a creative way. And that, right. that was right. one example of thinking about something in a smart way. Well, I think a lot of the different things that we use money for, we're actually encouraged to not think about them in right. a really rational way. And, sure. um, and I think university education is a really great example of that. Our whole society is organized around convincing people that this is the only route to a great job. And it's, that's more true than not, but an awful lot of people are pushed into it. They're taking a lot of debt. And maybe they're not really cut off for college. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Another area where there's been a real explosion in the last four or five years in debt is for is for leases and car loans. Um, 
people have really jumped into uh, this field and borrowed much more money than they did in the past. Which is interesting and, because, you know, today cars last longer than ever. Right. And if, getting, and, getting a three-year lease and then having to turn the car back, uh, that may have made sense in the 1950s. But now, I mean, most it cars... If you're, it makes sense if you're affluent and you always sure, want to drive a new car. Sure, That's fine. But, 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 but most cars last for 10 years at least. One of the few areas where I practice how I preach, I have a 200,000 miles on my ancient uh, uh, Honda CRV. It's still still working. Yeah. Another one is weddings. People go into a huge amount of debt when they get married, and they feel like they're obligated to spend the thirty, forty, fifty, eighty thousand dollars to get that storybook wedding when there are other ways to do it. One very important website that Beverly mentioned during the show, um, nscc.org. That's the National Society for uh, Credit. Credit counselors, a place where you can get nonprofit advice and very often a free hour from a credit counselor to help you out. Uh, certainly a, a good first step for many people. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Richard Davies. Thanks for joining us. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. We are produced by Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Check us Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Without 